This is EdTech Weekly. I am your host, Ricky Zager, and joining me once again is Christy. Christy, say hello to the good people. Hello, good people. Excellent. This is episode 56, and I know it's getting old, but every time I say these numbers and they keep getting higher, it just makes me happy that uh, we're still doing this show. And you know what else makes me happy, Christy, is last week we talked about changing the show and trying to do some things that would be helpful to educators. And already this show is taking action. And today we're going to have one of our listeners who called in or, you know, actually emailed in, I should say, nobody calls in, right, Christy? (laughs) Right. Let's go back to voicemail. Yeah. Okay. Enough, enough. So I brought it up though. So I guess that's my fault, but um, she emailed the show and uh, her name is Ashley and she's going to come on and uh, talk about grant writing, which is awesome because she's got a lot of good tips and tricks and websites. And uh, I wrote a grant once and it did not go so well. So I'm excited to hear some of her tips. But let's get started, as we always do, with our EdTech Rundown. A story from EdSurge really blows my mind about the future of our students and their relationship with bots or artificial intelligence. Uh, Dr. Amanda Sharkey believes students may be at risk emotionally because of false connections being made with bots. Now, as artificial intelligence continues to grow, this scenario does become a little disconcerting, I would say. It isn't that students necessarily think the robot's human. That's the issue, according to Dr. Sharkey. But the issue becomes when students believe that they can ask and then get good advice about some personal issues that the AI, at least for now, can't really answer correctly. So although robot teachers seems kind of crazy, this article mentions a study that started in 2014 that was actually using a robot as a teacher so it's closer than we think and uh wow it's something i never thought of but emotional stability and dealing with artificial intelligence is going to have to be addressed at some point yeah you know this article really brings out the theme for me of right time and right place for technology i really don't like to think in absolutes like a robot should never replace a teacher because there are times when i do think that a robot can do the job as well or better than a teacher Now, I certainly don't mean all tasks all day, and I certainly don't want to see a robot in front of a class of 30 students all day long, but there are some learning opportunities during the day where a robot would be a good thing. I just want to underscore that, like with many things, the right time and right place for technology can be really useful. Yeah, I mean, I think we all get a little nervous when we think about replacing teachers because we know humanity is it's not easily reproduced or recreated, I guess I should say, not reproduced. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just an interesting perspective that I have not thought of before. Yeah. All right, next up, an article from Global Digital Citizen explains eight ways to develop critical thinking with ed tech. Polling the class, giving immediate feedback, and organizing knowledge are three that stand out for me. Outside of the use of technology, these are simply all good teaching strategies. And really, good teaching is good teaching. I really like this article because it it takes eight critical thinking skills that are simply good teaching and gives you ways EdTech can help develop those skills. Definitely check out the full list by visiting edtechweeklyshow.com. Oh, I like it, putting the plug in there. Well done. And, you know, I used um, polling, uh, actually a polling software and devices in my classroom, um, which I actually wrote a grant for that didn't work. So that will be brought up later in the show. Um, but what I loved about it most is it gave me a chance to really give immediate feedback because I could see what my students were 
doing and thinking about something and I could really respond right away. And it wasn't like I had to grade a paper and then respond a week later or something. Yeah, isn't this really just all about student engagement? For some, tech may work. For others, maybe not. But once again, tech can really help us move from a one-size-fits-all program, right time, right place. Absolutely. EdSurge reports on Obama's Education Department's last hurrah. The administration focused on higher ed this time and ways that they should be looking at ed tech in their systems. They mentioned many things, but using ed tech to help aid in accessibility and improving faculty instruction are the two that stood out to me the most. Um, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the term accessibility, really just ba- ba- deals with um, allowing those who have disabilities to have the same access that non-disabled students would have. An example would be uh, having your videos captioned uh, so that hearing impaired students can also have access. And we had uh, Carla Kometz on, who is a champion for accessibility. And um, it's really eye-opening to me to think of it in that terms as well. So I'm glad that the president and the education department came out with that. Yeah, I remember that episode. That was a good one. All right. And as the article states, this does seem like a like a term paper turned in at the deadline at the end of the semester. I am truly doubtful that real changes in higher education are going to come from the Department of Education, but I do applaud the report <laughs> for at least trying. I agree with what Ted Mitchell, side note, former president of my alma mater, Occidental College, said. Oh, that's these, a good side note. Yeah, these federal issues are also going to be state issues, he said. At the core, we believe changes will happen most profoundly at the institution level. That's awesome. But I did I did notice a hint of surprise or not surprise, but I'm not sure what the word is when you said that I remember that that was a good show. That was a good episode as if that was a shock to you that we had a good episode. No, it was just particularly good. I, yeah, I no, I agree. The, the that was one of my favorite earlier episodes, and that's where I started to think, hey, we might be able to be do do well with this. So anyway. <laughs> All right, next up, Meritoc reports on AT&T's EdTech Accelerator Program. EdTech startups have until February 7th to apply for the 2017 AT&T Aspire Accelerator. The accelerator is open to any organization developing technology to support student success. There is a $100,000 investment from AT&T to the winners, along with mentorship and resources the startups may need. Yeah, and I think this probably goes more along the sides of people who are getting into the ed tech business more than teachers. But uh, teachers and other members who are in education often make that jump into their own companies. So I thought that that was an interesting article. And if that's something that you're interested in doing, you know, this is a way to get involved and use some of AT&T's capital and also mentorship as well. So I thought it was kind of cool. And I also think that this goes well with our guest speaker who's going to be joining us now. Um, We're going to be talking about grant writing. And so I think those types of principles may apply to also applying for other things like these accelerator programs and some of those tips may help. So let's go ahead and bring Ashley in right now. Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, we're really excited to have you. Um, You know, we mentioned last week on the show that we're really trying to strive towards putting some content out there that's going to be helpful to teachers in a real way that they can use. And I really think your segment here on the show is going to be perfect for that because we're kind of talking about grant writing, um, some some ways that they can uh, get involved and actually do it well. And perhaps that'll help them actually get the grant. So I guess the first question is, you know, I want to write a grant, but I really don't know where to find grants that are out there for me. Are there any suggestions or sources that you can can give us that would help us with that? 
Yeah, absolutely. And that is the hardest part. And it's the most time consuming part. It's the most burdensome part because it requires an extensive amount of time to really do it right. So many people fall into the trap of just shooting out random proposals and hoping one sticks, but that's kind of the worst thing you can do. So the importance of finding a good fit is really, it can't be understated. But that said, there are a lot of free places to start, especially for teachers. There's a lot of really well-organized information available. So even as a grant writing professional, I still use these free websites almost as much as I use the paid subscription services. So they really are that good and they really are free. Um, the first one that I love, it's called Get Ed Funding. It's really just getedfunding.com, just really simple. And that one is awesome. It's it's searchable. That's the best part. So when I said earlier that you need to find a good fit, the best way to do that is to use searchable databases and get ed funding is one of those. So there's a lot of different criteria. You can search by state and like theme. So or subject, English, math, science. They can sort it by 21st century skills. So there's tons of different ways to search to find something relevant. Um, that's a great one. The other one that I use is from the Grantsmanship Center. And I have, I actually have this all in an ebook if it, people are interested in the links, or yeah. I'm sure I can send you the links, however you want to do that. Yeah, so I'll everybody put... has them. It, the other one, it's the Grantsmanship Center, and it's tgci.com. And theirs is another free website, and theirs is not as searchable as Get Ed Funding, but they have great like starting points for each state. So on each state's web, on each there's a map at the bottom, and if you click your state, it will take you to the top foundations, the community foundations corporate giving programs, link to the state website. It's really a great starting point. And again, it's free. So those are the top two that I use. And then there's always grants.gov, which is free. Um, that one is exclusive to federal grants. It's a little bit overwhelming, but again, free and everything you need all in that one place. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. And we'll definitely put those links in the show notes and we'll give you an opportunity to plug your ebook and anything else too, when we're finished with the interview. Cause I know yeah. that people are really interested in that in grant writing or need to do that. And there's, it's, it's really just a matter of time. If you have time, you can absolutely do it on your own. It's just taking that time. <laughs> so Ashley, how would you start the writing process? Where, where would you say, where would we start? Well, you have to start with what the funder requires you to start with. So again, it's all about doing what the funder says and finding the right fit. So a lot of different organizations have different requirements. When you're thinking of getting started, the first place you need to start is their grant requirements page. And what I do, I go to their requirements. They say they need X, X, and X. And I just make an outline with those questions. So maybe it's describe your mission, describe your program, describe your successes, describe how you'll evaluate success. So if those are their questions, I just make an outline there. And then I use that to guide as I write. So you have to start by outlining what is required if you don't include everything that they ask you to include. It's one of the most surefire ways to get rejected. Well, that's excellent advice. I 
had an experience trying to write a grant. And um, one of the problems that I found, I'm, I did not do that either. I don't think to that level. Like I know I looked at the grant and saw what I needed to do, but I certainly didn't take it to that organizational level. Uh, hindsight definitely should have done that. But the one problem that I did do when I got to read, so we've, you know, after the process of writing this grant and I got denied the grant and I got to read the people's um, responses to my, to my write-up, and many of the people didn't understand yeah. what I was talking about with, I was using uh, what's called response cards um, in the co- in the classroom, electronic, digital, and they didn't even get it. And I could see that in their mm. responses and it was really frustrating. So I was wondering, is there a process for letting other people review your grant writing before you submit it? Is there something that you do with that? Yeah, I think any second party is a good editor as good as any and they especially if they don't know exactly if they're not familiar with your program so if they had never used your digital cards that would be a great person to ask to review your work because if they can't understand it your reviewers probably can't understand it you have to write your grants in a way that people who are generally literate you usually reviewers like have a pretty common sense idea of what's going on related to the topic, but they are definitely not specialists within their topics usually. So they probably have a general idea about education or a general idea about technology, but they may not be specific iPad gurus, like that kind of thing. So you really have to put it in layman's terms, but not oversimplify it either. It's kind of a tricky balance. So anybody is a great, any second person to review is great. I think it's ideal, and I guess I don't want to sound selfish, but I think it's a good idea to have someone who has grant writing experience because there are certain things that you can do within a grant that works for any grant that common people wouldn't necessarily think of. So for example, it's really, really powerful to use actual research in your need statements or relating to how your problem solves a community issue, but also works on a more national or or broader level. So like little things that might not be common sense to you, you're a teacher, you're doing your own thing, you've been doing this in your classroom, you have all these great ideas, but someone who can take a more outside of approach, help you make sure it makes sense, but also help you connect it to bigger things is really what funders are looking for these days. So actually, what would you say about grants here? I think about really big ones that require a lot of work versus small ones. I mean, would you say it's better to go after those small ones or those large ones? And what kind of time investment and payoff would you recommend? Mm. Well, I guess you really have to go after the best fit. Like I say, you there's no one size fits all answer to this one. It's kind of a hard one. So you need to find the best fit for what you're trying to do. That may be a multi-million dollar federal proposal or grant application. That may be a tiny community foundation grant. So you have to find the program that's the best fit. So if you're trying to develop an app and there is this little incubator grant through your community foundation, but it's exactly what you need related to exactly the topic, then you should do that. Yes, there's probably a multi-million dollar small business innovation research grant, SBIR, but those are, I guess, I don't know if I'm making sense with this answer, but look for what fits best rather than the money or rather than the potential outcomes. Look at what's the best fit because if you're applying to something that's not 
100% aligned, the chances of you getting it are definitely low. So, yeah, and no. once you are successful, sorry, once you're successful with a grant, that's going to draw other grantees to want to fund you as well. It kind of, it, it takes that first one to really open the door to many more because then you can show that you're responsible with other people's money, that you do what you say, that you commit. So the list goes on, but you really, it's like anything in life. You really just need to take that one step and get that one successful grant to then open the door to the many further successful grants. So start small, I guess, is the long way of what I'm trying to say, but start with what is the best fit above all. Yeah. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I think I think at the end of the day, this is the same type of thing that we sort of preach here when we talk about ed tech. You know, you you're not just going, Oh, that ed tech looks amazing and I'm gonna use it right. in the classroom even if it doesn't fit. Like you need to be looking for specific things that actually really benefit your students. And then I think like you mentioned at the end there, the chances of you getting the grant are dramatically increased if you follow something that Absolutely. is what you need and what your students need more specifically. Well, Ashley, this has been a really informative show. I'm really excited about the information that you gave. Um, is there any last minute advice? And then also, um, you talked about that ebook. Give them the ebook, and then if, yeah. any other info that you want to pass out real quickly here at the end. Yeah, sure. I guess I'll leave you with my overall thoughts on just general trends in the grant writing industry. So the two main ones is funders are really looking for partnerships. So they want you to connect with as many people, organizations, nonprofits as possible. So if you're an after school program, you're connecting with this business because they're going to do a workshop with your students. You're connecting because you're going to offer it to this school. You're connecting with this food provider because they're going to bring snacks. You're going to connect with these professors because they're going to research your program. So connections are key. Partnerships, collaboration are key. So the single, I'm going to just apply with my own little organization types of grants are starting to, I think, to start, not to phase out, but I'm seeing them less and less. They really want you to have partners. So that's number one. And then the second thing is the importance of data. So, so many nonprofits, schools, just education organizations in general, get a lot of times get caught up in just the day-to-day -day grind and who has time to collect data and measure outcomes and monitor performance. But that stuff is super important. And if you do get a grant, you're usually going to have to report out on those things. So plan ahead have those systems in place. So maybe it's surveys or maybe you're just doing a couple interviews, but you need the more numbers you have to show the people you serve, to show your improvements, to show what you're doing, the better, and again, to help you get more grants. Um, so those are the two biggest things. And you have a couple informational videos that has all the links that I talked about and has some website. It's just greatergoodconsultantsct.com. Okay, that's excellent. And we'll definitely put that in the show notes and put the link out there to that as well. And if and we tweet out the show, I'll try to put that link in there as well so that people can find you Perfect. a little easier. Um, I got to be honest with you, this show, we hit home runs when we have guests. I mean, our first <laughs> guest, Carla, with the accessibility was awesome. Then Christy came as a guest and became a co-host of the show. And Ashley, you did a phenomenal job uh, explaining grants. I only wish I had known you before I wrote my grant. <laughs> 
because I think I would have been a lot more successful. I may not have gotten the grant, but I certainly would have felt better about it. That's for sure. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Four Tech Teachers, Christy at Christy M. Warren. And Ashley, do you want to give your Twitter? Yeah, mine is just my full name. It's Ashley Pareda CT. All right. And we'll try to put that in the show notes as well so that it's easier for you to get the link to follow her. Remember, uh, email the show, please, edtechweekly at gmail.com. That's how these two wonderful additions to the show are on the show with us now. And uh, we'd love to hear some from some of you, or well, from all of you, I guess. We'd love to hear from you about the show, if you'd like to be a part of the show in some way. Um, since our guests are doing such a great job, I think we should keep up that trend until it goes south. And uh, again, Reddit edtechweekly.reddit.com. We've got a Facebook page now. Search for us, edtechweekly, and search for that on Facebook. And uh, if you have a chance, give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, That's a good way for other people to help find us. And uh, that's going to be it for the show for this week. Again, Christy, as always, thank you so much. And Yeah, thanks for being here. Can I ask one last question to Ashley? Of course. So Ashley, know of any grants for any up and coming podcasts or people who want a friend? Asking, <laughs> asking for a friend. <laughs> Just if you do, send it our way. All right, you got it. I can get you a couple free ones. <laughs> Lovely. And that's such a great question, Christy. And that's why you're on the show, because clearly I'm not thinking. I totally forgot our friend asked us to ask you about podcasting grants. All right. Very good Sorry. stuff. All right. Well, thank you. And- <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the question. Say, perhaps for new equipment. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. Well, the the listeners didn't know that we had some equipment problems last night, and we couldn't do the show. But now that you brought it up, yes, I had some issues, I... but the software has been updated, and we are fine, and we're on right now, so we're good to go. Once again, Christy, awesome. Ashley, thank you so much for joining the show, and please check her. Uh, site out and follow her on Twitter, especially for some of these grant writing tips. They were awesome. And we'll see all of you next week on EdTech Weekly. <laughs>